everything we know about Socrates is because of Plato. Uh, he didn't want to write anything because he thought that writing was something external and it made him weak. So he wanted to make sure that he was exercising his brain and everything he thought about. Patrick, hey, thanks for joining us on the show. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Robbie. Yeah, Patrick, you know, you work in, in the, the crypto space, uh, not in the crypto space, sorry, the blockchain space. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're coming from a former um, Deloitte background. Um, your profile really looked really, really interesting. I think that's why we, we connected and I wanted to have you on here. Uh, I, I was profoundly interested in blockchain, just like everybody else in 2017, went down that rabbit hole and saw great potentialities for that. So I'm really excited to hear more from you, uh, your perspectives and uh, what's going on in you in the technology field. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, I, I love talking about the, the topic. I love talking about uh, a bit of the origins of how things unfolded uh, for me and uh, also for, for the industry as a whole, right? And uh, yeah, uh, um, you know, I've been um, connected to the blockchain world since probably six or seven years ago. Initially a bit, you know, uh, um, at the distance and then fully on, right? So, um, uh, as you mentioned, I was uh, previously um, part of uh, Deloitte Consulting, and uh, one of my focus was on uh, what they call exponential technologies, right? Mm -hmm. So, taking technologies that uh, are new, that are um, getting some traction in different areas, um, and that are usually technologies that are really easy for new, newly created startups to leverage and take advantage of incumbents. Uh, at Deloitte, obviously, you're focusing on the big guys, right? Mm -hmm. On uh, how you help the big guys use the tools of the of the smaller guys. And uh, anyhow, at some point, um, my uh, my current uh, partner, we decided to jump into well, how do we take one of these exponential technologies, how do we actually take the most cumbersome one to adopt, but with the biggest potential? And that was blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm you're coming in with a technology that was built by hackers and almost for hackers at the time. And, uh, and you're thinking about how do you take that technology to, uh, to, to mainstream, right? And, uh, obviously the, the, um, what you know we've heard about um the the cryptocurrencies and so on that has made a, a big splash but there's so much more uh to it that sometimes it, it's a bit surprising right so in the sense that uh what well, identity, can i can i jump right? in here what what got you into crypto like what brought you into the, the technology so again you know focusing dlt blockchain right so that what was appealing, it was that the fact that, um, you know, on, on my previous job, the focus was to uh, uh, help other people conceptualize products and, uh, and uh, independently of how, um, you know, uh, knew how different the technology was, right? Mm. And a lot of this is not just the technology itself, it's how do you get the adoption 
and not not just from the client perspective but internally right when you're looking at a big big company and and the fact that um i knew that i was good at doing that and uh i uh, and that the technology i believe had a lot of potential in many many different um mm. ways was uh what kind of was the venn diagram right that uh, draw me to uh to go um go after this the other thing was uh obviously my current par partner was uh already down that path he was one of the founders of the uh, blockchain practice uh kiss and frank at uh at deloitte uh and i was the the lead for the iot practice right so um you know it was a bit of like a merge that uh made sense the, mm -hmm. the time was right and uh and we did it, you know, I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen, right? Mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a sabbatical if everything, you know, uh, if nothing works, then I'll go back and do my, my day to day. Um, so, um, so, so that's kind of the story. I always had a, a bit of a, you know, push for entrepreneurship that I had never materialized. Mm -hmm. Um, and that comes part from, from my family. So my father was a serial entrepreneur in, uh, in Brazil. Uh, was uh, he, he brought internet to to Brazil actually? Oh, wow. So like he he uh, he was very early on on the digital side of things, and uh, and I always had a keen eye for it. Uh, I um, you know I, I tried different things, and uh, in two thousand one in university I launched uh, Barcelona Wireless when I was living in Barcelona, uh, which was essentially a network to share um to share um you know your wireless with other people that go by in the street right which is uh now you you have companies like fun that uh that do this in a, a much more professional way but uh you know it didn't it didn't really um uh you know succeed in a big way mm -hmm. um and then you know the the inter the, the the big enterprise side was had always been too comfortable right so it was always well, you know, I want to do this, um, you know, let's, let's jump into it. You know, I have this great idea, but then, you know, you get promoted and, you know, well, maybe I'll stay here. You know, it's mm. life is good. I can't complain. And, you know, you keep going and going and going. At, at some point I had made up my mind of, you know, I, you know, that's it. I'm going to be in a large enterprise environment forever. Um, and, um, and uh and uh you know become partner soon and and that's it right mm. um and then you know the next day i had a conversation we had we went for for beers with uh, my current uh, uh partner kesem and uh and you know my firm beliefs changed overnight and mm. uh and here i am that's uh that's that's amazing like I, i'm always fascinated by people who come from like a really large enterprise, you know, and, you know, a really deep professional career and have to switch, um, you know, and, and take that, take that leap to, to exit out because it's quite a mind, it's a, it's, it's quite a mind um, frame switch as well, right? Like you, there you go working in a large team environment where, you know, you're not directly responsible for any one thing, but you're part of a larger organization. Uh, you're very siloed out, you're responsible to keen out, you know, you're the hierarchy, there's like a procedures for everything. And you take that, person out of that environment and suddenly you're free and one or two things happen either you know you, you kind of sink or swim right you like you you love that environment you're you're free and you, and you kind of expand out of it or two you kind of crave structure and that force you to build structure around you 
right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the big difference is that in a big company, you always have an excuse of why things didn't work out, right? Like, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, well, the type, it's so large, or we're moving slow, or, you know, like, on a, in a small company, it's, it's all you, it's all each individual in the company, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, I, in at Maven, we have this concept of, uh, that it's very focused on, on ownership, right? So we, we want to, everyone we hire, um, uh, that's the number one thing that we're looking for. It's not skills. It's not, I'm able to do this very, very well. It's not things you can learn. It's something that, uh, I mean, you can learn uh, ownership, but it's going to take a lot of time, right? Mindset, changing mindset, it's a lot harder to do. Um, so, so for us in the company, I always say that you know, in any larger company, um, you know, your role defines what you do. Mm. Uh, you know, for us, it's the other way around, right? What you do defines what your role actually is. Right. So the ownership is on you to to kind of define um, the 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 uh, the space of uh, what's feasible. Right. You're, you're not putting people in boxes and saying, OK, you know, this is the line that you can't cross. And the reality is that, you know, sometimes you're crossing some lines that you shouldn't be crossing. And uh, and the mechanism that we have to regulate that is that uh you know honest and direct and feedback on the spot right mm-hmm. so if you're doing something that it's not up to par in quality and so on you're going to receive feedback right away which means that you're going to realize okay doesn't mean that i'm not going to be able to grow in this direction it means that i need to learn more before I am able to take a step in this direction right so it's a it's a bit fluid it's something that it's um, you know, I, I think it would be probably impossible to do in, in a very large enterprise, right? Uh, which you can do in a small enterprise. It gives you a ton of flexibility. It gives you a lot of uh, uh, horsepower to do things that, um, you know, that uh, 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 whatever comes your way to, uh, to, to adapt to uh, opportunities very, very rapidly. Um, but it's something that you can't scale up to, you know, uh, more than, a, a, I would say, 100 people. Then you need to divide in different units and uh, different organizations and so on. Hmm. So let's let's run back to the technology and what you're working on. So the company is called Mavinet. Um, what, what is your focus? What are you guys working on? So, well, we're working on a bunch of different areas, uh, but the way... Um, you know, we see Maven it is essentially, it's almost like a, a venture studio that uh, cooks their own food, right? Mm. Meaning that we do essentially, we identify opportunities on specific industries that uh, we believe, you know, uh, there can be disrupted. Uh, we build a technology, we come up with a plan, and then we, we, we launch a, an organization. It could be, you know, as part of a, an individual product of Mavenet. It could be outside of Mavenet as a separate organization. Um, so, in, in that kind of uh, uh, frame, we have now successfully launched um, 
stable core a couple of years ago. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, it was a nice press release today because stable core and uh, Versa Bank, Canadian Bank, uh, joined forces to uh, release the, the, the first, um, globally, the first um, uh, um, uh, stable coin backed by a um, by a, a bank, right? Mm. So we're issued by a bank, right? So uh, very, very big news. Now, Stable Corp is, has a life on its own, right? Even though we, in partnership with uh, 3AQ, which is the largest um, uh, crypto asset manager, uh, the largest uh, uh, BTC fund uh, here in, uh, in Canada, um, we we launched it and now it's you know it's taking a life on its own and uh, and we're happy about it. The other area that we're very focused on is in traceability, traceability uh, of uh, of commodities. So we started down this path um, with uh, with the Toronto Montreal Exchange. They, they asked us to help them build a gas exchange platform and. Um, and what that led was for us to conceptualize a product that would allow to provide traceability end to end of, of any commodity. So uh, two years ago, we got a contract with the with U.S. Homeland Security uh, to trace the flows of uh, oil coming from Canada into the U.S. and um, and do you know what what I would call this is my term, not uh, not CBP or uh, U.S. Uh, government. What I would call a nexus for oil, right? So, the ability to import oil with zero friction, right? So you report automatically, digitally, um, that uh, oil is going down to cross the border, and then you don't, you essentially don't really have to file anything. It's automatic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, so picture a, uh, a, a conceptually picture a passport for a barrel of oil, right? That automatically it's uh, essentially telling you where the barrel of oil has been, where was it originated, where is it allowed to go? And, uh, and uh, you know, with stamps for every single hop in the, in the value chain, stamps that you cannot recreate on the spot. Right. Mm. So, so it's a very powerful concept. Now the, the, the government asked us to uh, expand it to gas. Uh, also, we're working with uh, the Canadian government to provide a similar concept for traceability of steel end to end. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there is quite a bit of, um, you know, economics involved on being able to, to trace provenance, right? Uh, aside from being able to digitalize the, the exchange of, uh, of information, which, which is huge. Um, you know, if you think about uh, the, the, the movement of oil between US and Canada, uh, what is recorded to have left Canada and, and uh, sort of mm -hmm. reported to have left Canada and recorded to have entered the US has a 5% difference, right? Mm -hmm. so, the, the data is not necessarily missing, right? And imagine the, 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 in, in monetary value, how many millions Jeez. that delta is, right? Yeah. So, so um, but, you know, the, the, the overarching or the big picture on how to 
what this means, right, for the industry in, in general is um, it's digitalization of industries end to end in the sense that a lot of people are focusing on how do you or digitalizing their own businesses, right? So and everyone, you know, for the past 10 to 15 years has been working on massive digital transformations internally that uh, uh, never end. Um, and, uh, but for the most part, there's, you know, a decent mm -hmm. amount of companies that internally they're very, very well, you know, digitalized. They know, um, you know, Enbridge knows where a barrel of oil inside their infrastructure is at any given point of time, right? So, so that's very, uh, the systems from that perspective are working very well. Now, mm -hmm. when it comes to, and this is not oil, this is pretty much any industry, when it comes to exchanging information between organizations, the thing changes, right? So you're, you have everything digitalized, you are going to set up a purchase order and you send an email, right? Uh, so all that digitalization kind of goes down the drain, right? Or, or, or you know, to, to uh, you know, in the best of the cases, you'll send a PDF or, or an Excel file, right? And, and you might be able to uh, commit to digitalizing channels between two organizations, but forget about doing it end to end, right? Um, the automotive industry was probably the a precedent of being doing this kind of what I call bridging the digital islands uh, in the 90s, right? So they 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 create a standard to be able to to share information between each other so that so that independently of what supplier you, you were using they were using the same beta mm -hmm. standard right? mm -hmm. and that that was they went through some pain but it it, it was the only way to to survive right and uh, and now um and now it's a turn to be able to do this in uh, in all industries with a lot more modern technologies with the technologies that we have today right yeah it's not just about sending the data on on a, a xml or json file now it's about well, can I trust that data, right? Um, even if it had changed hands uh, three or four times, right? Mm. Um, which is, um, uh, you know, the the uh, what I was mentioning about a, a surprising angle that not so many people think about when they think about blockchain in terms of uh, digital identity and creating standards for uh, what it's called verifiable credentials, and these are all standards going through W3C, uh, to standardize uh, not only documents, but also the trust about that document, right? How can I know that the information contained in that do document, it's actually uh, uh, legit, mm -hmm. right? And because uh, the internet today doesn't have that layer of, you know, providing trust, right? It has the layer of, me sending you information and maybe it has the layer of me sending you information uh uh you know uh, uh, encrypted right mm -hmm. but that's kind of like you know having an armored car right and transporting um you know let's say gold but how can i have certainty that the gold is actually gold hmm. right mm -hmm. so that's that's what the layer of trust um, that uh, 
that uh, blockchain has been spinning out and uh, W3C is, uh, is working very, very, um, you know, emphatically on, on keeping developing is, uh, is, uh, is giving us. And you can see that for um, things like provenance origination, um, being able to not just have the data, but know that the data is legit, that it's coming from the right places, that mm -hmm. uh, not just that it hasn't been tampered with, but, you know, that, uh, that you know, maybe someone has asserted the validity of the information and that has been recorded in a standard way and so on. Um, so, yeah. so they... Julie, if I can just jump in. Um, so recently, I mean, NFC, uh, uh, so NFC uh, coins have been, uh, have really taken off in, uh, in uh, popularity, right? The idea of non-fungible coins, so tokenized okay. assets. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Uh, so using cryptography, uh, you know, tokenize a house, and you can do like digital real estate, sell, sell, you know, sell, sell objects like that, cars, um, you know, right. just like rare baseball cards, you know, token, you know, assigning like a digital token uh, associated with that, tracing lineage of like when it was sold and passed down, all there as as a digital asset. Now, is this similar to that kind of idea, or is this like a separate kind of? Um, framework it's separate, it's separate um so from to start the the standards are, are are different standards um but the the big difference is that um nft nfts are very focused on the the asset itself but not necessarily on the you know the provenance of the asset or um you know uh, um assertions about an asset Right. So mm -hmm. uh, um, when you talk about uh, verifiable credentials, what you're talking about, it, it could be any credential, it could be any document, uh, legal document. It could be um, a, a document related to the fact that I tested, um, you know, uh, did a dip test on, on a barrel of oil at a specific point of time. And, um, you know, three, four uh, hops down the value chain. I want to be able to look at the collective data and actually know that, oh, yeah, so this actually happened and there's no fragmentation of data. There is no possibility of, uh, uh, yeah, I got this, but I don't know if it matches to this record. Everything is, you know, cohesive mm -hmm. and interconnected, right? So, so they're very, very different worlds. It doesn't mean that they can't play together, right? So you could distinctly say, well, you know, for whatever reason, I think that for this specific type of material, I should issue a, an NFT type of, um, um, you know, uh, uh, um, identifier um, that, you know, survives over time for, you know, uh, we're, we're using different types of identifiers, different standards for uh, the, the provenance. Uh, but you know, it doesn't mean that the two worlds can't merge down the road. They are just simply tools that can be used and and combined in different different manners. So you, your audio went out. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I was saying, um, I, like I was tracking through your website, like some of your projects and, and what you what you were um, talking about before, uh, previously, the oil and gas project, right? Being able to track, um, you know, the, the barrels of oil, right? So how would your technology be different from NFC? Like, do you are you you're not tokenizing the actual barrel as an asset? 
Um, how is that being utilized in that in that kind of point of view? I I mean, just having the the token is not enough, right? You need to know um, where it came from. You need to know that it was tested. That someone asserted that you that uh, that um, uh, barrel of oil is of a certain grade. There's a bunch of things that you can do, mm -hmm. right? But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know what we're trying to build is this standard that allows uh, the industry to to communicate, to exchange information about who they are and about um, um, you know the the assets that, that they are exchanging, I and mean, about um, you know the documents that go around it. It could be. Uh, you know, contracts, it could be uh, 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 mill certificates for on the uh, steel side, it could be mm -hmm. many things along those that value chain that is very important, that are important for the, the, the industry to work, right? Uh, and then you're given the flexibility to use the technology according to what they think makes the most sense on that given uh, time. Now, mm -hmm. once you have that that layer, right? That that, that way of communicating um, um, in, in a standardized manner. You know, our, our cross-border use case is one use case, but there there could be many other use cases, right? So you could think about, well, why don't we use the same information to for regulatory reporting, right? Uh, it's just one click, right? Uh, uh, why don't we use this information? Uh, for, for example, automating the the contracting process, or to or to do um, you know to do trade finance, right? You're sharing information down uh, downstream to one of your customers in return for you know getting a loan at the at the lower lower price, right? At lower cost. Um, so um, so there's many things that you can start building. And the idea for us is like we're just focused on getting organizations to be able to talk in a digital way. Uh, we're building one use case or two use cases in uh, in one or two industries, so quite laser focused. And then after that, the imagination is the the limit, right? And it hasn't doesn't have to be our imagination. It could be anyone that wants to play in the ecosystem, right? So you can go in and say, you know what, I have a need for this process to be automated. So I'm going to build an application using this this uh, the standard uh, to to build it to implement it, right? And uh, kind of you know the a bit of the analogy is. Uh, if you think about the internet way back, right? We had intranets and people were, you know, communicating inside the organizations. And then we move into internet being able to communicate between organizations using TCP IP, right? Um, now, uh, after that came, you, you know, the, the amount of applications that started being developed beyond just each, uh, you know just uh, just websites was mind-boggling right so no one would have thought that in the the early 90s of a concept like uh you know google maps or like uh, uber like you know a bunch of things that are are popping up today just because we have a way of communicating um now um this layer that we're building is 
a way of communicating with trust, right? And using the DIDs and the, and the VC standards. Yeah. The... Jumping between very technical and, uh, and business. Perfectly uh, fine. But, uh, I, I enjoy the conversation. And uh, I mean, the trustless layer of, of crypto is one of the, I think one of the most interesting things, right? The idea uh, that we can do trustless transactions. And that was one of the main like touch points that, you know, the crypto industry has always relied on is, you know, how do you remove trust from a, a transaction, right? So the idea yeah. that the idea that like, you know, if we have multiple people watching, like multiple nodes watching what's going on in inter interaction through the power of a network, you know, you're you are securing yourself. The idea be like, you know, it's similar to like in the physical world, like the idea of a legal system, right? So if two people do a transaction, even legal binding contract, but you don't have a legal system to uh, uphold it, it doesn't really mean anything, right? Yeah. But if you have the system behind you that, you know, if if anything does go wrong or whatever comes wrong, that, that kind of binds you together, it forces you to act in like a, in, in good faith. Well, then now you can have, uh, you know, like actual, like, you know, uh, transaction, the capital, capitalism can be built on top of that, right? So when you have uh, systems like this, you know, allows for trustless transactions. It allows, like you know, like you said, like a different modality of uh, of transactions and transacting and and building on top of that. So I like the idea that you're talking about it just being a framework change. You know, just like the mobile revolution, internet revolution, you know, change society, right? Well, I'm 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 I'm, I'm infinitely curious about how technology changes us, right? I think there's this misconception that technology makes us weak. But technology is always what made humans humans, right? When we invented fire, you know, we lost the ability to consume dead meat. You know, like like uh, it changed us. Right? Mm -hmm. When we were able, you know, when we were able to like, you know, get the bow and arrow and able to like, you know, uh, hunt beyond our means, it changed us as a society, right? Like the feedback mechanisms between technology and 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 our culture is just as a dynamic, right? And like like you like 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 you said, the mobile revolution, like with with like Uber and with uh, uh, with um, Google Maps, like you know the like the the infinite leverage that data gives us to the average person, right, democratizes power, right, to a certain sense. And what I'm really interested in is like what does like the future ideal use case look like with crypto and this kind of security system involved, like trustless systems? What does that entail? Like how how could that be? How would that look like? Ooh, so that's a very open question. Um, uh, so I, I like your, you know, what you say about how technology changes us, and uh, and you know, it is true that, you know, you would be hard pressed to find someone that doesn't want to use something like Google Maps to find their way around today, right? It's uh, it's just a part of who we are now, yep. and uh, and. Uh, you know the weakness side is interesting. I, I don't know if if you're familiar with Socrates, um, who he didn't want to write anything. So everything we know about Socrates is because of Plato, uh, he didn't want to write anything because he thought that writing was something external and it made him weak. So he wanted to make sure that he was exercising his brain and everything he thought about kept being you know he kept in his head right so that was kind of he so so you always find people that are a for good or for bad uh you know uh, uh, the exception of uh, of adoption um but um, um but on the the blockchain space so the the use cases are so so different so despair and so massive right that uh, it's really hard to say 
uh, you know, this is one way in which it's going to change us or, 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 you know, uh, what, what I can tell you is that um, the, the order of magnitude of how it can change us, it's going to be bigger than, than the, the mobile phone, right? Uh, uh, just think about the, the quantum leap of, of having all the, the business transactions, the trade, all auto automated, you know, it's just a, a quantum leap on how we we work today, right? And and now, you know, obviously, uh, payments and how we move uh, uh, wealth around and how we virtualize assets. This is and it's evolving so fast that it's really impossible to say, yes, you know, this is what we're going to be looking like in the. In, in five years from now, let alone 10 years from now, right? When we start noticing, uh, you know, the, 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 the real differences. Yeah. I love that. Cause um, I, I've spoken about that too. Like, you know, Socrates not, you know, during Socrates time, the Greeks thought that, uh, you know, books writing uh, was weakness, right? It was like the, 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 the oral method, the oral tradition was being degraded away. And we think of the same thing about uh, technology now, mobile phones, right? Like, like all these kids are now looking down. Everyone's always looking down. Like, you know, this has made us weaker as a society. It's taken away our, our, our transaction to talk. But same time, look what's enabled, right? Um, I recently, um, you know, got involved like, as of last week on uh, the app called uh, Clubhouse, right? Mm -hmm. And with Clubhouse, I mean, it's like Twitter, but with with voice. You can, it's like an infinite infinite corridor full of conference rooms some are huge stadiums some are really small and you can just jump in jump out and then like have conversations listen to people talk and it's a complete new uh, new uh, new new format of mass um of, of mass communication right and i was, I was talking to this about the the, the ceo of uh knowledge hook he's it's an ed tech platform um you know and he's like this brings back almost a Socratic method, right, of, of communicating, the oral tradition of you go into a stadium and then you listen to somebody speak and like everyone's listening and then can participate in a panel discussion and all that kind of stuff. But except it's ethereal, right? If you see everyone spread across the world. You can jump in these rooms and come come together. Um, it, it It is changing the way we communicate and kind of spread information. So... Been, uh, I, I've been curious. I, I enrolled, and but I haven't had time to to try it. So, how does this work? You uh, people take turns, or or you know you are you're supposed to wait and do kind of your spiel uninterrupted for a certain amount of time, or because otherwise I imagine that a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, talking at the same time might be like a chicken cage, you know. No, uh, absolutely. So um, I thought the same thing when I first started, but really what it is, it's like there's actually three three different rooms. So the first room is run by the moderator who can bring in speakers and you can have as many speakers as you want or you can keep it to very few speakers. You can, and, um, and then the second room is people who follow the speakers who get notified and come in and they come in. And then the third room is uh, people who are just randomly there. Right, but only the, the top panel can speak, and the moderator can control who speaks at any time. You can put people back into the audience. You can bring them, bring people up as a speaker, right? You can mute them, all that kind of stuff. You can make other people moderators. You can ping people to bring them into the room, right? So over the past week, we've been experimenting on different types. So we've been having open panel discussions, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Like mostly with the podcast guests. So I'd love to have you, right? Come join us tonight. And so every every night, Monday to Saturday now. 
from 8.30 oh, yeah? to 10 o'clock p.m., we run a clubhouse room and we have open speakers. Uh, 8.30 to 10 o'clock p.m. EST. Today I can't, but uh, but yeah, I would love to be part any other day for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, send me the details uh, offline afterwards. Yeah, like one of the things that I love doing is like, you know, putting together, putting the, the head of like a hundred million dollar uh, uh, unicorn startup next to someone who's just raised $800,000 for an ed tech play, uh, next to somebody who's just building out like an IoT company out of California, next to a university professor who teaches media studies, right? You can just bring in all these different types of people and just target it towards, towards the topic or let it open discussion, right? It is like a, such a novel way of like exploring ideas. Sounds amazing. Yeah, but roping back to like uh, you know your you know our conversation here with, uh, with cryptography and like the, the future of that, right? Like one of the one of the things that uh, uh, that really stood out to me as, as crypto projects is like uh, is the assetization of IoT and people, right? Like you like how how you yourself can interface the government. Uh, having like a crypto ID, crypto identifier, right? So just like you have a passport and all these IDs, you can have like a, a unique identifier that you can you can transact with uh, other objects with, right? Whether it be government, whether it be other crypto assets, things like that. Uh, I always thought, uh, thought those programs would be cool. Secondly, you know, like programs like I IOTA and I and um, you know IoT available projects. I know you come from an IoT background with uh, with Lloyd as well. Like, you know, do you have any ideas there? What's going on? What's going on in the market? Yeah, so I mean, you were talking about, uh, you know, the the uh, features of uh, a system that's, uh, um, you know, trustless, right? And uh, you can do it in a very efficient manner when the ecosystem is, is closed, meaning, you know, for example, in Bitcoin, it works because any transaction, it's inside the, the blockchain itself digitally end to end, right? Now, when you're bringing in uh, informa information from outside, right, um, it, 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 you know, through oracles or however you conceptualize it, um, then the, the trust needs to be verified in some way or another, right? So me as an individual, unless I became, you know, bits and bytes, I would not necessarily be able to travel through the through the blockchain but this is something that uh going back to the model of dids decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials this is exactly the topic that the uh u.s government now it's is leading if you can look up the the uh, svip program um silicon valley innovation program which we are a part of they're looking at how do you digitalize any sort of credentials that people are using today. And if you think about uh, uh, credentials that are, are government issued in the US, it's not just one passport and a driver's license. And uh, there is, you know, maybe 30 different types of passports that you need to standardize inside mm -hmm. the US, the US passport, right? And um, uh, let alone the, the rest of the world, right? Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of IDs, like uh, uh, First Nation IDs, there's why they are already um, there is uh, obviously each state has their own driver's license. So they're looking at using uh, VCs to standardize the, the way these credentials are generated, uh, the way these credentials are shown, 
there is also interest on the, on the, on building. Uh, you probably have heard about it. Uh, uh, a COVID passport, right, to show that you've been vaccinated uh, using these uh, these technologies. Um, but it, it's a bit, the model is a bit different, right, in the sense that you're using the blockchain as an anchor to have an identifier to show that, you know, this identifier represents you or an abstraction of you. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a, a key to sign something, right? And you can sign it and create issue document uh, and get it attested by someone else and um, and uh, you know and you can carry it you can give it to someone to to carry it uh, but that movement of that verifiable credential doesn't happen inside the blockchain right because you you have to find different ways to replicate that trustless, uh, uh, um, system when you're moving around outside, you know, when you're interacting with, uh, with humans directly, uh, uh, and you're not, you know, thinking about like a simple ledger or, 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 or keeping track of who owns what, right. That's a very simple use case, right. Uh, when it comes to, well, did you study in this school in the year 1996? Uh, and you know, how do I know this? Right. Um, um, so in a standardized way, right? You cannot create a blockchain for, for everything or a use case for everything. You have to at least think about how do you standardize those use cases? And that's what, uh, uh, what, uh, what the technology allows, allows you to do. Same thing, same model would be applied for, for IOT, right? You need sensors producing some data. And you need some way of verifying or get a level of trust that that data is correct. Because even if you're putting that data in the blockchain, uh, what if I, you know, tamper with the, the communication or with the chipset or, you know, there's mm -hmm. many ways around it, right? So, so you need to, to think about uh, making sure that that information is also trusted and validated before it goes anywhere else. Otherwise, it's just, you know, a set of immutable garbage right that uh, you put in the blockchain can never change right yeah so what, what do you think what do you feel about like the, the future of data and privacy right like as more more and more we're able to capture data ourselves and it's and more and more we find ourselves vulnerable to it right even like high institutions like um, the canadian revenue agency to equifax have been prone to breaches and 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 uh, and you know all these things being scraped out I mean, what happens when like, you know, we have the ability to like monitor, like, you know, like, you know, just like, like from your, like your Apple watch and stuff like devices like this, you can take all this biological data that, you know, goes now gets streamed to your doctor's office, you know, uh, that's all this intimate, more and more intimate data of ourselves becomes more and more open to, uh, being, being stolen away. You know, how can we securitize ourselves better? And is, is, does blockchain offer a solution? Yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, the more data you're using, the more data you're generating and the more digitalized, uh, you know, your your industry or your organization is, the more prone you're going to be to have a bigger uh, uh, surface of, uh, of attack, right? In, or, or, you know, privacy breach or... Um, so... Uh, um, so it's, it's, um, it, that's, that's not going to necessarily change. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're going to have to think about how we protect ourselves, uh, more, right. And, uh, from, 
the the perspective of a, a blockchain what it allows you to do is to be able to uh to take care and protect your own data right uh, so for example in the vc model you might be carrying your own passport in a digital way in in your wallet right um now you know if you're careless about your data then you're going to have a problem right the uh, uh, blockchain is not going to solve you any any problems in that respect if you're if you're uh, not careful right um but um you know it, it's i think we're gonna evolve as a, as a society right and there's gonna be have to be certain ways of uh aligning or deciding hey this is how we're doing things to protect our data and yes when there is uh rapid innovation um uh, you know, uh, 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 there is also challenges like these that uh, are unavoidable, right? But if you don't embrace them, they just get worse and worse, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, yeah, uh, that's a very super important topic, and it should be more on top of mind of uh, of people in general. And and usually the technology is not necessarily the the weakest link. I don't know who was it. I think it was Bruce Schneider, which is a uh, a cryptography uh, guru or expert um, that said that uh, uh, um, the, the security on the internet is like moving a uh, an armor uh, a truck full of cash from a bench of a homeless person to uh, you know a, a uh, um, uh, to another park, or yeah, you know, I don't know exactly. Don't don't quote me on the words exactly, but uh, essentially the transportation is super secure, and the the really the surface of attack ends up being the people themselves, right? The the weakest the weakest link. So you know we need a lot more education. We need a lot more um, uh, 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 bigger mindset on uh, on protecting ourselves, and uh, and yeah, we need standards as well right uh, i mean some people complain about standards because they uh, tend to be rigid uh but uh, but it's important to to have that in mind because it's the only way to to make sure that we're protected as, as a society long term no absolutely uh, I, I think it's that kind of education and training is going to be so important um you know what, what we speak about a lot on this podcast is you know the idea that canada should require some kind of like ministry of data you know, some some kind of government government uh, organization is looking into how data is collected on citizens, how it's stored, where is it going, who's 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 after it, and uh, you know, not necessarily themselves being the ones collecting it or like you know centralizing it to be you know penetrated from, uh, from 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 one source, but at least like monitor from like a from a higher level, right? Because I think yeah. we rely too much on private from the private industry to lead that kind of front on that. Yeah, uh, partially. I mean, I totally agree, right? So if you take the the forefront, it's first of all you get to shape the future, right? Uh, and uh, you're able to to have a bit of a, an idea of where, uh, uh, um, you know, in theory of what the common a uh, uh, good is, right? Uh, whereas uh, the industries on specific organization on their own might work, you know, on on their favor, right? Um, uh, you know, the, the challenge sometimes is how do we make sure that we're building the standards for the future and not for the present, right? 
because then what you're doing is uh, is hindering or handcuffing uh, innovation at the same time, right? So so it's a it's a very thin line, and uh, you know I, I I don't have all the answers for this. I, I don't think anyone has, but what needs to happen there there needs to be a debate about about these kind of topics, right? And and if that debate is sparked and and triggered uh, in an open way by by the government, I think that would be a really good thing, right? And and together with the industry and and so on. Uh, so 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 for sure. But always forward looking, right? Always thinking about what are the standards that are going to be future proof. And it's it's a hard thing to do. Absolutely. So you know, I know we got we got a few minutes with you left. Um, What's next for uh, Mavernet and for, and for you? Um, is it are you working on a few more projects? Are you trying to evolve? Are you trying to build something out in house that's going to be revolutionary? Where are we off to? Yeah, well, we have. Um, I mean, the the project that uh, that we have ongoing. I mentioned Sable Corp. That you're going to see a lot of the media, and it's kind of starting to to run on on its own. Um, the on the the traceability side for energy uh you're going to start seeing a lot of uh press on uh, neoflow which is our, our platform uh for for energy as a whole so oil and gas and, and electricity uh we're uh also working in europe uh, as part of a we're, we're a technical leads for a uh, european consortium focusing on uh, blockchain interoperability and uh and we're also focused a lot on the on the, the electricity side, the electricity creating the uh, uh, renewable energy, energy credits and, and things like that. We're also starting to be very focused on um, on environmental, right? So mm-hmm. being able to um, to to trace the environmental impact of uh, of organizations uh, and of products end to end, right? So in the sense that it's not only just uh, I, as an organization, I'm self-reporting that this is my footprint in this specific location. Now we're tracking what's happening end to end. And by the way, we're looking at you from the sky uh, to uh, with satellites to check that your CO2 footprint is, uh, you know, uh, uh, what you say it is, right? So it, it's uh, it's going to be uh, coming uh, soon. A lot of the, these. Uh, these topics so uh you know uh keep keep an eye man that sounds that sounds really cool um patrick thank you so much for coming on and 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 talking more about what you're doing and all these uh, interesting projects Uh, i'd love to have you back here again in like six months to a year to hear get some updates about this project especially the new one um and more than that join us on clubhouse right every day monday to saturday uh really appreciate to see you there um and for everyone who listened in thank you for listening and thank you patrick for being on Thanks a lot, Robbie.